We've been blessed. Angie and I have really been blessed by our uh, our church family. Some people have really leaned into sharing some time with Angie and myself to uh, make sure that we're cared for. And, and for that, we're grateful. But, you know, today's a good day, right? Today I'm able to stand up. Today I'm able to see you. And what a blessing. What a gift. Today's a good day. So I'm grateful for that. I know that uh, there's some of us that, uh, like myself, that just have ongoing stuff. And, it's, uh, and it can be drudgery. It can be a trudge. It can be all of the stuff I can't find the right words for, but it could just make you wonder why you wake up some days. If I'm going to wake up to this, why am I waking up? Uh, and my heart goes out to you, because I get it. You know, I really get it. You know, some days you wake up, you're like, dang, what are we doing today? But today's not that day for me, and thank God for that. Um, so that's kind of a synopsis. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to ask. I pretty much live an open book life, so if there's something that you want to know about what I'm doing, please ask. That's okay. I'm okay with that. Uh, do we have any, any prayer requests this morning? Oh, come on. Please. figure my voice carries is like a foghorn on an empty beach, isn't it? Not anymore. Yeah, not anymore, is it? Uh, Scott's getting his uh, surgery on his nose to get his broken nose fixed, which means that Melissa will get another shot at straightening it out for him. Isn't that nice? Um, right. Right, yeah, and then that's going to be going on at home, isn't it? Is that what I understood? Yes. 
And then how will they monitor that? Do you mind me asking? I'm not sure right now. We gotta see if it works. It's gonna take a couple months. Take a couple months then. Yeah. All right. So Ken is getting getting uh, some treatments at home. So they so he finally made the long COVID long hauler list, which means that the medication that wasn't available to him before is available to him now and they'll, they'll start that at home is what she's talking about so we'll pray for that to be part of the solution ma'am Do we know if Vernon's home again yet, or is he still in the hospital? He got put back in, so yesterday sometime, so. All right. Or he's put back in all the time, maybe in the same day, so. So it's a mess right yeah. now. Great, thank you. So that's uh, Vernon and Mylan. For those of you that don't know, they're some missionaries. They came to visit from Costa Rica, and then they made, like, empanadas for a fundraiser and sold some coffee and stuff. and and they're real tight with the Andrews family. So, uh, Vernon and Mylin. Anybody else? Please. You shouldn't forget to pay, pay for the bed. Too early in the morning. Uh, pray for the Dunnicks for continued recovery from COVID. Awesome. Okay, that was a pray for the Dunnicks for continued recovery from COVID. Okay. Anybody else in? Would you pray with me, please? Father God, we're just so grateful that we have. What a turnout. I'm grateful for the turnout today to see all the, all the beautiful faces and, and here to worship you today. And we know that you hear our prayer request, Father, and we just want to lift up uh, Angie and I just uh, for continued strength and to be in God's will going forward. We 
continue to pray for joy, for healing from having her knee scoped, and that that's part of the solution for the healing for her, and the doctors have a better idea where we're going from here to take care of her. And then Scott has given surgery on Wednesday. We lift him up that that surgery goes well, and Melissa doesn't straighten it out again for him. We're just grateful that he has an opportunity. <laughs> Sorry, I thought it was cute. So we continue to pray for Ken as he goes through that, uh, through the new treatment that he gets to do that, and that those medications were made available to him. We're just grateful for the for those for what you do, Father. And Allison just is grateful for uh, God giving her a home, a job interview. There's some good stuff going on in her life, so we're grateful for that. And we lift up the Cunninghams as they're establishing a home, and we pray a blessing on their home as they lean into that and that goes forward. We do. We lift up the, our missionary friends, Kaylin and Mylan, down in uh, Vernon. Vernon and Mylan down in Tyler, as they're just battling COVID, the whole family's down far, and we know that... Uh, we know you hear us and we know that you care. We just really do lift that whole family up, Father. And Jean is asking for continued prayers for the Dunnings as we're going forward with that because they're still battling COVID. And so, Father, we ask all of these things in your loving Son, Jesus' name. Amen. We come to the part of the service now where we. We observe the Lord's table. Has everybody got hands up? If you don't have a, a communion cup, please, so we know which way to go. Thank you. Thank you, Mrs. Keeney. this part of the service because it's an opportunity to remember a whole bunch of things not the least of which is there's somebody that uh, that you owe and what do I mean by that do you owe an apology today do you owe forgiveness to somebody are you holding out on some resentment that you've uh, you just want you just want to sit on that and this is that opportunity for me to let that stuff go to let that give those people back to God so that God can bless them. Right? On the, on the night that uh, he was betrayed, Jesus took the cup, took the bread, and he broke the bread and he gave it. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then on that same night, he took the cup and he passed the cup and he said, this is my blood, which is spilled for you for the remission of sin. 
for all that you give us, for all that you keep from us. You know, you work in ways that we don't see. Help us to be that forgiving people that you've called us to be, Father, that remembering people that you've called us to be. Yes, these things in your loving Son, Jesus' name. Amen. This is pretty cool, isn't it? I think um, we can probably get this reserved and do our Christmas Eve services here at the band shelter, too. I think that'd be pretty epic. You're laughing. No? I think it'd be literally, but uh, no pun. Oh, never mind. All right. Stay on for a little bit. And then when we get done, remember it or not, but when we're done on the sidewalk together, there'll be burgers and hot dogs and sides, and we'll have some fun together, um, and we'll just hope that it doesn't start raining on us uh, until like five, right? All right. Today, we've been walking through the Gospel of John for about a year now, um, and so we're on track that all in this moment that, not, that Jesus is the one in authority over all of this and it's happening and so we're seeing the power coming into this moment and saying I'm in charge and I'm willingly going to the cross to make right jump into that First, I want to pray. My friend, before you start with prayer, that we have a praise as well. Uh, a young woman by the name of Samantha, we've been praying for, has been through a pretty uh, invasive surgery. She's doing great, and she's home recovering well. And the family just wanted us, wanted you all to know that you've been praying for her. She's doing really good, and we can rest that Christ has been taking care of her. So let's pray, and then we'll jump into the word. I want to thank you for keeping her. Um, safe during the procedure, and we pray that you would give her the strength to recover and recover well. We also want to pray that you give us the insight um, to see what you would have for us in your word today. And we know, Lord, that there's lots of lessons in each and every There's an overarching theme that we see, and so I pray that whatever you have for us today, you would help us to receive and receive well, and that we can move forward knowing that you love us, that you care deeply for us. In Jesus' name, amen. The one questioning him, um, and I charge of the money exchanging in the temple. So he gets to he get he's Jesus sees him first, and so he is going to question. Then we're before the high priest. And it's all kind of happening at once. And if you try to thread the other gospel accounts together, you get more and more detail. We're going to just focus on John today. So, him and his And we see this interaction. The 
Sorry, I'm wrong. We're in 15. High priest, but people the priest went out who came in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, You are disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now, charcoal fire standing and warming themselves. Peter, the disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. And in the temple, we're all nothing in secret. Why? Those who have heard me, what I said to them, they know what I said. When he had said, by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that. Jesus answered him, If what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what the high priest now warming himself so they said to him you are he did not one of the servants of the high priest a relative had cut off said asked did I Peter again denied it and at once a rooster crowed um, so to say what you have Take into the high in Hebrew son gets married. This is where you see the language about um, what then you and so you have and his son here be with a courtyard in the middle, and so and your sons and your son, you keep asking. And so in this court, it's transition from so you, the, when they, the soldiers take him in, they turn him over to the guard. And then he's there to be questioned by house. He's going to be marked Typhus. And in this court, in the courtyard is where this interaction and it's why there's the eyes with Peter in the moment of his denial so you have a scene where if passes over here you're Essentially, be one of the ones that doesn't run. We know exactly We know from the Gospel of Mark, the author of the Gospel of Mark, that they but Peter and John circle back. They came back Jesus. That they had a moment of fear. They're terrified. They take off. Jesus is a proud of at least a couple hundred soldiers. 
and then they turn around and come back. And because John has, and I'm, I could argue, I'm going to argue, that the There's some long theological, nobody really cares, but the nerds are in the, in the crowd. And so he would have been known by the high priest. He would have visited there as a kid, would have been around people, and so he's immediately allowed into the courtyard. He shows who he is. He's allowed. And then that's when the exchange with the girl out front allowed into the courtyard. So it says he entered with Jesus into the court. Girl who kept walking, and this is when the servant girl, as Peter walks through, says, "You." Are Disciples, are you? And he denied. Warning themselves. Peter. Well, so we know. Peter, in a moment of, starting to get his strength back. He's starting to. His relationship with Jesus is overruling his fear, to the point where he goes into the place where Jesus has been captured, questioned, the. They know him. He was right there. We're going to see in just a minute that the relative of the one he sliced the ear off is right there. Like, think about this. Now, we also have to put it in perspective that the courtyard, it's night. It's the middle of the night. They're going to have a charcoal fire. It's going to be not lit up with solar-powered LED courtyard lights. That it's going to be a dark spot. So don't think that they would have immediately recognized him. It's cold. So they're going to be around a fire. They're probably cloaked up. They probably have something, a head covering. They're trying to stay warm. So don't think this is, these people are dullards and they can't recognize someone that just sliced off someone's ear. Or they don't know these people from around. There's a lot of things that are helping to facilitate this moment. So Jesus is about to be questioned. Peter is in the courtyard. He, we know he was scared. And then he got some courage, courage enough to walk right behind enemy lines. And he's sitting there. So I, we always, not always, a lot of times we look at Peter and as he denies Christ three times, and we would all, some of us, maybe you would say, well, I wouldn't do that. You sure about that? But also don't look at Peter as just a guy who was asked a couple questions in the comfort of his protection, the comfort of a crowd with his crew. He's behind enemy lines checking on Jesus, concerned about what's happening to the one he loves and he's going to serve his life for and they ask some questions and he's denying him. But is he really denying him or is he trying to get close? I'll leave that up to you. One, a scholar last name of Bruce who writes lots of commentaries has a bit of sarcasm built into this young girl's response. That if you translate it out in Greek, um, it could probably be better phrased as, oh no, not another. Like another one? More of these people? 
that it's a sarcastic exchange with this girl at the front gate, that she's frustrated about all these people and all these followers of Jesus. Is this finally going to be over? Are we going to finally be done with these rebels? Can we get rid of them? And she asks him, Ah, another one? Aren't you one of those? No, no, I'm not. He enters in, warms himself around the fire. Then we get Jesus' inter- his interaction with the high priest. This priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him. Now look at the authority. We talked about it last week. Jesus is speaking as, these, as the soldiers went to arrest him. He says, I am he, and they hit the dirt. And then from that point forward, they see Jesus as the authority in this story. Not Judas the betrayer, not the soldiers who are there. Jesus is the authority. We see that same thing happen with this questioning from the priest. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I've spoken openly to the world. I've always taught in the synagogues and the temple where, where all Jews come together. I've said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. Now, this isn't just Jesus exerting his authority. It's also him calling into question the legal premise for him to even be asked these questions. You have to bring witnesses of the malfeasance in this exchange. You can't just have an accusation and say, "Why?" you can't just force a confession. That's what the high priest is trying to do. He's trying to force a confession. If you have something against someone, you bring the witnesses, you bring the proof, you bring the evidence. When you have no evidence of things being wrong, when you have no evidence of something going against God, then you have to rely on a confession. This should remind you of like every single really bad TV cop show that's out there. When they have no evidence, um, they bring them in and they'll say, hey, we've got to get a confession on this one because our evidence is very thin. Get a confession. Like that just happens. Now, I know it probably does a little, but you sit someone in, in a room, you had to have some kind of reason to have them in that room to begin with. You probably have a little bit of things to bring up to them, and then yes, if they seal the deal and the confession happens, then great. But they have nothing on Jesus. They need the confession to then do what needs to be done. And you will see as we continue going, as they, they, he proves over and over again they have no evidence, then he finally just says, I am God. Then they have evidence, send him to the Romans, but that's all part of his plan. All the way back in John chapter 3, Jesus tells us how this is going to happen. Now I'm going to flip to it. In John 3, starting in 13, No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus knows he's going to die, and he knows he's going to be crucified. And it's going to be a picture of the people of God remembering back to when Moses set up the serpent on a staff as a symbol of God's continued presence of the sacrifice that had happened. And so Jesus references this in John 3, and then he himself was going to be stuck up on a cross, like the staff, to be lifted high as a sacrifice for, all, for us all. That he's bringing this all back together. Again, showing us that he chose the way that he was going to die to bring people back to a knowledge of what had happened all the way in the past with Moses. 
Jesus was choosing the way he was going to die, on a cross, spread out. His choice wasn't to die of the officers of the high priest. His choice wasn't to die by stoning. His choice wasn't to die by the sword. It was by crucifixion. I just want you to see that all the stuff that's happening is the plan of Jesus being laid out. None of this is happenstance. Everything is how he directed it to be. So as he's being questioned by the priest, he tells them, you're not doing this right legally. I'm in charge. Who do you think you are? And that's why when he, asked, when he said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand. Is that how you answer the high priest? And Jesus answered him, not, this priest isn't my authority. This is an illegal trial, an illegal questioning. You're not following the rules that are supposed to be had. So, of course I'm going to question. And so this officer slaps Jesus. Don't talk to this authority, because this officer believes the high priest is the authority, not Jesus. He responds, if what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Prove it. Prove anything that I said. I've preached everywhere openly. None of this has been in secret. Prove it. And what's the response? I got nothing. Send him to Caiaphas. They can't prove it. Annas can't prove it. So he sends him to Caiaphas. He failed. He failed. Then we get back to Peter. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, you also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once a rooster crowed. Can you imagine this? Peter's trying to stay warm. He's around this crowd of people. If he had, think if he had just slunk off to a corner just to kind of wait, what's happening? Where's Jesus? What's going on? I don't know. I just want to peer through. I'm going to kind of lurk in the corner then people would have said, what's your problem? It's freezing. He would have shown himself to be not belonging to be there. So instead, he's warming himself with the whole crowd. And one looks and says, "Um, are you one of his disciples? No, I'm not. No, I'm not him. And then a relative of the man who he just cut his ear off says, didn't I see you in the garden with him? which means he was there. I think that would sear a memory into your head if you just watch the guy slice off the ear of someone that you know and then you're standing next to him on a fire. Hey, do you... I, maybe I know you. Do you have a knife in your pocket? I think maybe I know you. And he denies him again. In every one of these circumstances, Peter is denying that he knows Jesus in an effort to not be discovered. He's also terrified. He's terrified of what's going to happen to him. And so I think he's torn. He's terrified of the potential outcome of him being found out. But he's also terrified that if he admits it, he's not going to know what's going to happen to Jesus. And I know we, I, I tend to give Peter a hard time too. But if we were in that same situation, think of the tension when someone you know and love is being questioned, probably going to be killed, and you want to know what's happening. You want to know what's going on. And so Peter denies not only to save his own skin, but I also think there's a compassionate part of him that wants to stay close to Jesus, connected to him. And then the rooster crows, fulfilling the prophecy, fulfilling the words that Jesus had said. 
And that's the key for this whole section. We're going to get into the trial. It's going to continue on. But you need to see that everything that Jesus said was going to happen, happened. That should be a comfort to us. That he orchestrated this whole event to die for the remission of our sin. That we would have confidence that he, when he says something, he means it. That he showed up for you and for me, stepped out of heaven, God the Son leaves relationship with God the Father and God the Spirit to come to be with us, to show us how to live, and then to die for us so that we can be in relationship with the whole Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Spirit. But it was all a plan. It wasn't a surprise. We can't just see Jesus as a victim. He's not. He marched right to this moment. And if he's doing with that kind of confidence and that kind of tragedy in the midst of accusers and people that don't want to have anything to do with him and reject him and torture him, and then we know he can relate to all of us. He can relate to every time we've been rejected, every time we've been misunderstood, every time we've been belittled or mis- we've been maligned. We've had all these things come our way. Jesus experienced it all to the point of death. And we have brothers and sisters around the world in Christ who are facing death because of their faith. And they know that they are walking in the footsteps of Jesus. That he faced the same kind of persecution. The root of the problem is not just injustice or an unfair trial. The root of the problem isn't that he was a victim. The root of the problem, those roots would lead us to run into the fire, would lead us to be full of shame because of our sin. And part of that should happen. We don't just run into the fight because I want to be better than Peter. We don't just sacrifice ourselves because my Savior did it too. All of it should point us to the depths of our sin. That Jesus died for us to be free from the guilt and shame of all the things that have been done to us and all the things that we have done. And instead, we can walk in joy knowing that grace is for us. That we're free. We're free from condemnation. We're free from guilt. We're free from the enemy trying to persecute us. We don't have to answer his questions in an unfair trial. We have the authority of Christ, just like he had with his accusers, to say, there's nothing against me. I've been cleansed by the sacrifice of my Savior on the cross, and whatever you say against me is meaningless. We're seeing an example of Christ and his love for us and his dedication to us. The confidence that he went to the cross with is the same confidence that we should have in his love for all people who would call him king. I want to end in Hebrews chapter 12. In Hebrews chapter 11, you have the Hall of Heroes. It talks about all these people who lived life, um, whether it's Abraham and Moses. talks about Samson and David and Samuel and all of these people who lived a faithful life. That they are the cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on in our fight. And then it ends in chapter 12. I'll start in 39 and 11. 
And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That it was a joyful act set before him. That he would die so that we would have a relationship with God the Father. That he laid down his life so that all creation who would call him king would know him forever and eternity. That he came to reconcile the broken relationship with God the Father that happened with Adam and Eve. That we all have that kind of loving, overwhelming joy coming our way because we have a faith in Christ. It also says here, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And whatever you're struggling with, personally, if it's a sin, a burden, a treatment, um, sickness, frustration, anxiety over watching too much cable news and watching the world burn all around us. Jesus is the perfecter. He's the one that gives us the strength to endure all of that. He's the one that gives you the power to lay aside sin. He's the one that helps you to lighten the load, to run this race of life with endurance to the end. It's not your effort it's not your intellect. It's not your work. It's him. That at every turn of our lives, we trust that he is going to give us the power to endure. Not because we're a burden to him. Well, there's Mike praying again. Same old issue. Same thing he's been dealing with for a while. Well, there's Mike. He's praying again. He's got... Man, he's a train wreck. What is wrong with him? He's always asking for things. He's always needing help. He's always, ugh. Every time he's driving in his truck and he doesn't have the radio on, he's just praying. Every time. What a, could you just shut up, Mike? I have other things to do. That is not how Jesus reacts to us. The same joy that he went to the cross that was set before him is the same joy in which he interacts with us each and every day. He actually likes you. He actually wants to be in your presence. He actually wants to have a role in your day-to-day -day life. And if he marched to the cross with all authority and with that same authority professes his love for each person who would call on his name, for all of creation to be saved and redeemed, then you can trust that. You can trust that he loves you. You can trust that Romans 8, 1 is true. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no guilt. There is no shame. There is no working so hard to please him. He proved his love for you by walking to the cross. 
and allowing himself to be nailed there. Do you believe that? Do you know that? I have to remind myself of it about daily. I think we all should too. Spend time in his word and time talking to him and he will encourage you each and every day. Let's pray. Dearly Father, thank you for this time that we've had together, even with a few sprinkles. It's pretty awesome. Um, coming together, opening your word, to be encouraged with the knowledge that you love us, the knowledge that your, your sacrifice on the cross was out of your authority. It wasn't something that was just put upon you. It was something that you gladly chose. So help us, Lord, to, to walk in that confidence of love that you have for us. And I pray that all of us here can walk each and every day free of guilt and free of shame. And when we wrong you and we sin against you, I pray we're quick to repent and we feel that warm embrace of your love once again. It's never ending. It never stops. And you're never going to let go of us. Help us to live with that kind of bold confidence in your love. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, our final song for today is here again.